Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm Sarah Story, the Executive Director of the Mississippi Arts Commission. Today, I'm talking with Callie Nolan, founder of Griot Arts, and Leonette Henderson, the new Executive Director of Griot Arts in Clarksdale. Hi, Callie and Leonette. Hi, Sarah. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us today from Clarksdale. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, I'm really excited for our listeners to learn a little bit more about Griot and and all the good work you guys are doing in Clarksdale. Um, So I thought we'd just get started with, you know, first of all, just hearing from y'all. We'll start with Callie. Callie, tell us about, you know, your experience growing up in Mississippi and in the Mississippi Delta. Sure. Um, Well, you know, I think now looking back on my growing up experience, um, I can say that uh, I was definitely very sheltered. Uh, I grew up here in Clarksdale and, um, you know, my was the daughter of a farmer. um, And um, when uh, I grew up, I just uh, didn't really um, know much about my community, honestly. Uh, I would feel like I was very much in a bubble, um, but had a great growing up experience here. Uh, but it really wasn't until I got to college um, that I started to uh, really reflect on the community that I grew up in and see um, all of the amazing, really uh, interesting things about our community, about um, blues, and about all the amazing art that came um, out of Clarksdale and the Delta. Uh, My eyes were also very much open to the tremendous interest that outsiders had in the Delta and the history here. Um, And... So, yeah, so then I think I had a new appreciation for the place that I came from um, and then really just got interested in how, what is, what are ways that I could be more involved in my community and help out. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's always interesting to have perspective and comparison. So just so our listeners know, although I already know the answer to this. <laughs> where did you go to college and where does that sit in relation to Clarksdale, which is in the Mississippi Delta? <laughs> yes, um, I went to the University of Mississippi in Oxford. Uh, Oxford is about an hour away from Clarksdale, so I did not go very far. My dad was a very big Ole Miss fan and he told me I could go anywhere for college, but he was only paying for Ole Miss. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and in case our listeners want to know, uh, Sarah Story was my roommate <laughs> for two years of college. <laughs> that is possibly true. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about um, 
you know, it's always fascinating to me, Mississippi, because um, although it's a small state in population, you know, our areas of the state are so distinct. So tell our listeners a little bit about um, just some distinctions between Clarksville and Oxford, even though they're only an hour away from each other. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, well, let's see. So I, I think that... Um, probably a lot of it goes back to the history and Leonette is really good at this. So jump in Leonette anywhere that I'm um, not doing the best. Uh, But um, so the Mississippi Delta was, um, you know, it is the, the floodplains of the Mississippi river. And so the soil around here in particular is extremely fertile because of all of the flooding over that time. So it, um, it made it really good farmland. Um, so, um, this area around here was built on agriculture. Um, and unfortunately years ago, we all know that that included, um, having a lot of slavery in this area also. So as the um, agriculture um, declined in this area um, and with the um, new um, technology in in the the agriculture industry, um, it kind of put a lot of the people who had history here in the Delta in a difficult position of, um, not having jobs. And so Leonette jump in with me, if you can kind of talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, we hit this, this streak of like this, you know, the great migration, which happened not only here, but in a lot of parts of the, the South. But when you're looking at the Mississippi Delta, you know, this, the flat, the fertile land that, um, Callie just spoke of in comparison to Oxford. Well, not only that, Oxford is like this college town. So mm-hmm. there's a different vibe. It's a different, mm-hmm. you know, um, sort of place and space and, and what culture looks like sort of, you know, varies. I think that music is still, you know, the heart of, to me, mm-hmm. um, the Delta and mm-hmm. just Mississippi in, in general. Um, but, you know, you have those those sort of distinctions. And then I think when, um, when you talk about just sort of wealth and wealth building, what that looks like. So it's a little bit Mm -hmm. different here in the Delta, just around land and agriculture. Um, I think a lot of that wealth has then, you know, moved into Oxford in certain ways, but just a very different vibe and feel, Mm -hmm. I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And also I'll just chime in there too, is that out of, um, out of the history, that's what when Leonette was talking about the music is at the heart of the Delta. Um, I think that the roots of a lot of music that are now all over the country and the world come back to uh, blues music in the Mississippi Delta. Um, And so it's always a a very interesting thing to look at the past and to see um, so many challenges, but see what beautiful and amazing things, um, the art that came out of it was yeah. so great. Yeah. Just Absolutely. Just the feeling and all of that. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you. That's very good description. And 
Leonette, we'd love to hear more about your experience. And you grew up in Mississippi as well, correct? I did, right here in Clarksdale. Mm -hmm. with awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yes, I was born and reared here in Clarksdale, Mississippi. Um, I spent a lot of my childhood, though, between Clarksdale and Marks, Mississippi. And Marks is um, in Quitman County, a neighboring county of Cahoma County. Um, and that's where my grandmother lived. My mother is one of 17 children. And so spent a lot of time there. And um, so, um, you know, as a child growing up in Mississippi Delta, it sort of reminds me of the song Summertime. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the living was easy mm -hmm. in a sense. Um, so summers were filled with camps and times at the public pool and sassy park and tennis lessons and mm. cheerleading camps. And, um, you know, and we were always in the house before the streetlights came on. I think unlike most children for myself, um, they came to the South for the summers. I actually, uh, we, my parents and I actually traveled North to Chicago where my father's parents migrated during that second wave of migration um, for his his mother and my grandmother. Um, so I love the city, um, but it was always great to get back home to my friends and family. Um, so, so for me, I, there's just this love for Clarksdale. Um, music was always in the house. Um, I spent a lot of time, even at the Riverside Hotel, Ms. Ratliff would babysit me. Um, so I just got a chance to be around, you know, the music and the people and the culture. And the Black community was like very, very tight-knit. And but I will say that just because the living was easy in my eyes and growing up, um, you know, just growing up in the 80s, early 90s, unfortunately, there was still segregation here in Clarksdale amongst our schools. You know, we still had the separate proms. Um, but, um, you know, that was just sort of how, unfortunately, how things were. And it was really interesting when I got a chance to meet Callie just to say, we had, we share this same interest around youth and around arts and the love for Clarksdale, but not meeting one another mm -hmm. until our adult, uh, until our adulthood. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's a great description as well. And very true. And it, and when are the proms still segregated in Clarksdale or did they end? I, I'm not sure. I know up until I graduated in 2000, there were still separate proms. Wow. Yeah. Well, you guys are doing good work together now, and that is yes. a step forward. It's, it's <laughs> yes. exciting to see. So, um, Callie, so, Lena, you mentioned you grew up around around music. Um, did you, Callie or Leonette, did you guys take art lessons? Did you take music lessons? You know, what, what were those influences early on that that led you to, to this today? Um, you know, when I grew up, I was involved in um, numerous different arts activities. I did visual arts painting classes for a long time when I was young. Uh, then I got really into ballet um, and dance in general. Um, but, you know, once I got to about the high school age, I really dropped off of all of that just because there were no really valid ways to continue those for me that I saw. Um, just with kind of limited resources um, or just kind of with my limited view uh, that I saw around me, there wasn't much more than sports and cheerleading. <laughs> And so, um, you know, at that point, I, I didn't really necessarily see myself as an artist so much as um, 
as just kind of doing the next thing that I felt like I should do. This is Sarah Story, the Executive Director of the Mississippi Arts Commission. You are listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. To have access to all Arts Hour interviews, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen to the show on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sarah Story, the Executive Director of the Mississippi Arts Commission. And today we're joined by Callie Nolan, founder of Grio Arts, and Leonette Henderson, the new Executive Director of Grio Arts. Thanks again, Callie and Leonette, for being here. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you. So, Leonette, before the break, we were talking a little bit about what arts influences um, you had early on in Clarksdale or maybe even Chicago where you spent your summers. Oh yeah, I think that again, just music was like I said, a big part of my life. Just growing up, even Saturdays cleaning up, we <laughs> listening to the radio or some Motown record that was playing. But um, my mom played the piano for her church when she was growing up. Um, I got into sort of piano just because you know I was in church and you just was like, oh, like what can I get into? And that was the thing until until band was the cooler thing to do <laughs> and so around sixth grade when my friends got into band i was like oh that's something i want to do and my dad was like no i just bought this piano mm-hmm. um but anyway my piano teacher talked him into uh letting me join the band so i played saxophone from sixth, sixth grade to 12th grade um i did sort of like ballet tap when i was younger i think but as callie was saying sometimes you grow out of grow out of those phases and stages and sometimes to continue on you may have to you know travel for that so um i just stuck with band and then um by the time i got out of college um and was really thinking about my next steps and thinking about a phd in history i decided to go into documentary film so then documentary film became my artistry like mid-20s so yeah that's that's sort of where my art pieces come from Well, that's great. Um, That's really interesting that that was your background. And where did you go to um, college? I did undergrad at Tuskegee University in Tuskegee, Alabama. Awesome. And then you did did graduate school in history? I did did graduate school much later. (laughs) It was almost 10 years later before I went back to get my master's in philanthropy and development at St. Mary's University of Minnesota. That's great. Yeah. All right. Well, Callie, I am so excited for our listeners to hear more about the beginnings of GRIO. So we were at University of Mississippi together (laughs) and we were graduating and moving on with life. And you decided to go back to Clarksdale. Yes. Well, I can take it back a little even farther than that when I had some cool roommates who were art majors. (laughs) And I thought, hey, I'm going to try out a ceramics class with them. And 
ceramics got me hooked and um, kind of opened up my world to open up my eyes to the art world and that being a possibility, um, kind of realizing that had always been what I was drawn to, but I never thought that I could be an artist or be in the art world. So thank you, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So anyway, so yeah, so during my time at the University of Mississippi, um, just fell in love with ceramics and arts in general. And then uh, when we were juniors, uh, we took a trip to New York um, and we went to um, a place that was called the International Arts Movement in New York and heard from some really amazing artists the work that they were doing in the city and um, it was then that I really got um, this idea, this vision that um, the arts can be an avenue for young people to to open their minds um, to just the possibility of life and the, the opportunities in their community. Um, kind of, you know, a lot of times uh, when people talk about the Delta or Clark sale, even though there are a lot of amazing things going on. There's some people who are kind of down about the, the opportunities around here and just, um, maybe the economics around here. Um, but you know, when you look at the world through an artist's eyes, every empty building is a possibility. Um, you know, there's always, um, just, so many um, great ways to grow the community and um, to bring the people of the community together. So um, out fresh out of college, I moved back. I got married to my husband, Mark, um, and we moved back to Clarksdale. And I Googled how to start a nonprofit. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay, I need some board members. So I called yet again, my friend, Sarah Story and, uh, <laughs> and a couple of other friends and really just started with nothing. Absolutely nothing. We had one room and an old gym and some volunteers, no budget. We had enough money to buy some art supplies. And I can remember I bought some some art posters to put on the wall and that was it. And I went (laughs) and, uh, I I love this. One of, one of my, um, students who is now one of my best friends, she always laughs and says that I walked into that eighth grade classroom that she was in. And she said, by the way you talked, I thought this was, it was this amazing arts program that was so professional that I couldn't wait to get in. She said, and then I walked into the building and I thought, Oh, (laughs) 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 raw Um, deal yes yes but at the heart of Gria it really is it's uh community and um you know it's building community with the students but also um building that creativity that they can apply to any part of life that's great um and that was what what year uh we started in 2011 amazing so it's been 10 years yeah oh my goodness I didn't actually realize that that's awesome um and how so tell us a little bit about how what what happened after that so Grio it grew um, came after etc yes so um 
fortunately, things took off pretty quickly. Um, after um, we were incorporated and got our 501c3 and started programming, um, you know, I think we got the attention of some foundations that were around us. Um, and I just thought that we were doing so great. I can remember when we first, we got our first $10,000 grant and I just thought I would die because we got so much money. <laughs> and, um, but so we, we grew really quickly uh, with grants and we had a lot of support from the community. Um, and let's see, I think about, Three years later, we moved into our building that's uh, now in downtown Clarksdale, and that was really great just to be more present in the community, more visible in the community, and to start using our space as more of a community space that was um, there for people to use in various ways. Um, and then in 2014, um, well... At the beginning, uh, one of the things that we would do with our students um, on a regular basis is we would have what we call town hall meetings. And um, we would sit around in a circle and, um, you know, we really wanted the students to be able to have a voice, to talk about their community, to talk about um, challenges and opportunities that they saw in their community. And so out of one of those town hall meetings, um, what they, what we heard them saying very loud and clear was that they wanted two things. They wanted somewhere to hang out, um, to come after school or on the weekend, just a safe, positive place to be with their friends. Um, and they also wanted opportunities to get jobs. They just needed, you know, they needed to you know, they're high school students getting ready to go to college and they wanted to start making money. Um, so that's when we started Meraki, which is, um, it is a job training program for um, young adults. Um, and it had a couple of different variations at the beginning, but it is now a, um, a coffee roastery and a coffee shop in downtown Clarkstown. And it's great coffee. I highly recommend people visiting if they're in the area. So, so tell us a little bit more too about the programming. Like, what is the structure? How how do students get involved? You know, what is that process like for Grio? Yes. Um. So, uh, okay. So the the after school arts program, it has um, it has two yeah i'm gonna let i'm gonna let leonette jump in because i haven't been executive director in a while <laughs> yeah. okay great so thank with, you leonette no problem so with grio arts our after school arts program we have like sort of uh two two phases of that if you will we have our mint grio that's third through sixth grade and then our stage grio that's seventh through twelfth grade and so what that really looks like at we sort of run the same the same time as fall and spring for school and so again we offer our students students in the community um arts visual arts music classes anything from guitar ukulele um, actually painting and dance and uh, whether it's in hip hop form or different other forms. Um, so all of that can be found after school, but we also structured in a sense where we have our um, faith based, uh, well, 
uh, actually our faith focus, where we actually have Bible study throughout the week. Um, on Wednesdays with our students, we have our circle time, which sort of brings them back and we have deeper conversations maybe around community or things that's going on. So that's really running fall and spring um, during school. And then when we cross over into our other core program, which is Meraki, which is the workforce development piece that Callie talked about, that sort of runs 16 weeks. So every 16 weeks, we have a new cohort and they come in um, ready to learn. We have a curriculum that, you know, they'll talk about financial literacy. They'll talk about, they'll leave with a resume, but also around those sort of soft skills um, for, for job and job readiness. Um, so they actually, we have an actual practice, uh, practical learning environment where they learn how to make coffee and it's just sort of a real time flow. So every 16 weeks we have anywhere from six to, um, eight fellows in our cohort and last, our last cohort was the biggest at eight. And this year we actually may be welcoming 10 fellows, which we're really excited wow. about. And all of that information can be found on our website, how to apply, sort of our time frames, all of that. And what is the website, just in case our listeners want to check it out? Definitely. It's www.griotarts.org. That's, that's great. great. Thank you. <laughs> so, and you guys do, in the in the two earlier groups, in the um, 3 through 6 and 7 through 12, do you guys still do tutoring as well and, and you know, helping? And what are the requirements? You you have some some pretty some high standards to, to encourage kids to stay in school, right? Oh, yes, most definitely. We do have this education component where we sort of meet them where they are. Sometimes it is tutoring. Um, what we've done um, during COVID was just a, a different approach um, just because we were not in person. And what we did, we um, purchased the software where they can, they sort of test hours around their English, their math, their core um, subjects. And so we sort of see where they are, whether they're on grade level, above or below, and then work with them um, through that, around that education component. That's amazing. And how do you recruit students? Do you go into schools? Is it, is it pretty known now? What does the process look like for that? Clearly, pre-COVID, yes, we went into schools. We were... <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yeah, just sort of like face-to-face and there. And um, now we sort of had to switch it up. It's, it's been a lot around sort of social media, word of mouth. Um, uh, thankfully, we just have a lot of great partners, uh, principals that still get the word out. So that's how we sort of managed it around social media um, components, yes. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So um, when I was visiting, I guess it was last month, uh, mm-hmm. I got to meet a young man and you guys let him make his own uh, design for the coffee label. Can you tell our listeners that story? That was really cool. So yes, Eugene is amazing. So a part of um, a part of Meraki, a part of that program, um, we actually have our own in-house roaster. Eugene is from the area. And so he has been taught and trained and actually had some additional training, I think in Minnesota, I think it was sort of an online piece. So he actually makes and roasts our coffee in-house. And I would just say he's the best roaster ever. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah. This is Sarah Story, the Executive Director of the Mississippi Arts Commission. You are listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour, 
To have access to all Arts Hour interviews, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen to the show on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sarah Story, the Executive Director of the Mississippi Arts Commission. Today, I'm talking with Callie Nolan, founder of Grio Arts, and Leonette Henderson, the new Executive Director of Grio Arts up there in Clarksdale, Mississippi in the Delta. Welcome back, Leonette and Callie. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah. So, Leonette, before the break, we were, we were learning a little bit more about the coffee shop that you guys are operating in Clark Still, and um, one of your fellows, Eugene. And so I believe, so you're, you mentioned that he roasted his coffee. Did he also design the label, or was that another student? Um, actually, the design, I think, was a, a collaboration for Eugene and our communications, our marketing person, cool. Emily. Yes. <laughs> So I think that was a collaboration. That's but it, awesome. is a, it is a really cool picture of Eugene on the label. It is. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it looks really sharp. Great. Well, let's um, let's back up a little bit to you, Leonette. And I'd uh, love to learn more about wh- at what point did you find out about Grio? You know, where were you? Um, and then what drew you to the work? Um, honestly, I decided that I was going to return home, return back to Clarksdale. I had been away for 18 years, um, working in higher ed, working in ed reform, and it was just about time. My parents were getting older. Um, I always said that I would come back home in some capacity, and it was it was that time. So in April of 2018, I returned home, and I was just, it was almost just like being a tourist in my in my own home. So I was just sort of going around, and I noticed this new place and it happened to be Meraki. And I was like, what is this? Cause this used to be where Meraki's located on the corner of Sunflower and Third. It used to be um, a beauty salon when I was growing up. And so I was like, what is this? And I was just floored. I walked in and I was like, oh my goodness, Clarksdale has arrived. We have come up. <laughs> This is amazing. People were drinking coffee. People were doing work. And it was black people. It was white people. I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> and so I was in, I mean, young, old, everyone. And so I walked in and clearly I hear this voice, hello, and it's Ben. And Ben is our um, workforce development director. And I don't think Ben meets a stranger. So we just automatically got to talking. He was telling me all about Meraki. He was telling me about Grio. And I was like, this is amazing. I wish this was here when I was growing up. And so that's how how it started. So I really fell in love with the mission, 
um, you know, just the, the concept around it, you know, involving community, um, the whole creativity piece, all of those components. So just fell in love. And at any time that I could help Ben out, sometimes I would come in and talk to some of the fellows or just having conversations with Callie. I met Callie shortly after, um, I just fell in love with them and, and the work. And so, um, I spent, um, some time, clearly I was back and was working in different capacities. And then this opportunity, um, came available to be a part of Grio. And I was like, why not? Cause I don't know where else I would, I would rather be. <laughs> That's amazing. And, and what year, so you're, you're pretty new, right? This was this last year. Yeah. yeah. So I came on board September of 2020. That's great. Wow. And you've hit the ground running. Congrats. Yes. <laughs> So what, what's happening now at Grio? What is it? Look, you mentioned, you know, you guys had to change things up a little bit because the pandemic. Describe the last, I guess, seven, seven months, eight, seven nine months, months you've been wow. there. I, I don't know. <laughs> Time well, is strange yeah, right no. <laughs> Yeah, the last seven months have been, they've been really amazing. One, I just have an amazing team. I have amazing board members. Not too many executive directors can say that because mm-hmm. <laughs> I have, and I have been on both sides. Um, but we, we definitely hit the ground running. I think as soon as we came in, we had a fall feast, um, to really think about in this sort of COVID pandemic era. And so we did an all outside event, which was, um, it was short of, it was just amazing. I think it was, I, I, I had to pause because I, I think I've shared with you, Callie, I know I shared with Ben, it was the first time that I had been in Clarksdale where I saw just equally like the community that I've always wished black and white people together gather around the same mission um, around our kids. And so that's that's what happened. And so we we had a successful fall feast. Um, and then again, just really having to be very thoughtful around programming. So whether it was on the art side or the Meraki side, um, we just, our students were, you know, with us held strong in spite of, you know, they're going to school zooming, but yet at this point, our, all our arts after school is through zoom and it's virtual. Mm-hmm. We were able to keep our fellows on the Meraki side, um, in person just because it was a smaller group. And then we had to sort of, uh, pivot and shift around what the business look like. So we, at one point we were just doing a lot of carry out sometimes, well, carrying, um, different things to, you know, to the cars outside sort of curbside assistance. And then it was sort of at the door and, and just sort of working our way to where we are now with a smaller number of people being inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. And, and what are you, what do you think is going to happen? The summer, the fall, are you guys going to get back to in-person? Are you still going to stay virtual? What's going on? So for this summer, yeah, for this summer, uh, the arts piece, we are going to move more so in-person. But a lot of, we have some programming where we're doing like photography and yoga. It's a photography yoga uh, duo class where it's going to be sort of outside, um, smaller numbers. Um, Meraki will still continue on. um, And again, we'll, we'll just have like a, a smaller amount of like customers coming in. We've sort of arranged seating um, to do so. And then in the fall, um, we are hoping we can just go back in person 100%. 
Um, but we're still sort of looking and seeing what the schools are going to do. And if not, maybe do a hybrid um, model for the for the fall and spring. Yeah, that's got to be a stressful time for all students and teachers right now. Just not knowing, you know, what's going to happen. Um, yeah. ugh, that's tough. So what are you, so as the new executive director um, coming in, coming back home, what are you most excited about? What do you see that that is um, just really uh, exciting and positive for the future of, of GRIO? Um, just a couple of things. I think overall, when I, when I returned home, I think that it was just this momentum around just sort of community, downtown, revitalization, all of that. And I think that that was in the community, but that was also just even within the organization as well. So just excited that I think that that momentum was there. And although the pandemic slowed us down, I feel and see us getting back into that swing and that momentum coming back. So um, excited about just, you know, what's next. I know we're going to have to pivot, but I think that, you know, the pandemic sort of offered sort of offered us a time to sort of be still, slow down and reflect. And I think that everyone has done that. I know we have as an organization what's really important. And so I think that as I talk to my team members, um, and to Cali, my board members, I think we're in a place of just sort of slowing down and going deeper. So um, our four core values are around compassion, community, creativity, and Christ. So just really taking that time to go deeper into that. What does it really mean to be a compassionate leader, a compassionate artist, or even just a griot in itself being the the keeper of, of the culture of this area? So really taking that time to do that. Um, really taking a deeper dive with community, involving them into sort of our our curriculum, our programming, um, so students can have that time to really explore their community in a way that they've never done before. And um, just even around that creativity piece. And again, Christ, I think with our team, we're just talking about how can we ground ourselves, you know, in a, in a different way. That's great. Yeah, I think it's definitely been nice to have a little bit of time during the pandemic, although it's been very challenging. There definitely have been some positives come out of it. Callie, what have you seen over the last year for GRIO and just all the changes that have happened in the world and, and in the organization? Yeah, um, you know, I, I definitely agree with Leonette. It, I think the pandemic and just the, the division and the nation has definitely caused me and our, you know, people around us, the organization to really do some self-reflection, um, opened our eyes to some things that I don't think that we had really thought about and considered very much before. Um, and, you know, one, one of those things was that we really felt uh, that, if possible, that it would be really great to um, have some leaders in our, um, in our organization that were from Clarksdale, that were from the Black community, that really connected with our students. Um, before that, um, there have been some staff members, but not at the, the top level. So when we were looking for our new executive director, we really knew that that was something that 
we felt passionately as an organization, not just because of what was going on in the nation, because it had been something that we had thought about for a long, long time. But I think what, you know, the, the tension in the nation really made it clear to us that this is very important for our organization, for our students and for our community. And, um, I think one of the things that makes me the most excited about having Leonette uh, as our new executive director is just exactly what she was talking about at the fall feast, seeing our community for the first time really showing up together in a united way that um, had always felt a little bit out of reach before then. Just having uh, Leonette as someone who's grown up in this community, she has roots in this community. Um, you know, Leonette has deep roots in the black community. I have roots in the white community and together <laughs> we are bringing it together. <laughs> Um, and that's just really exciting to me. Um, just something that, um, man, it's, it's, it sometimes has felt out of reach in the past, but now it just feels like it's coming together in a really awesome way. That's great. And that's just so interesting and wonderful to see that two people in a community can make that type of change. You know, that's just so encouraging. So um, I applaud you both for the hard work you've been doing. That's just really great to hear. So how have you guys seen, have you seen Clarksdale change much in the past, you know, 10 or so years since you have been back, Callie or Leonette, I guess the past four or five years, or is, is it stayed the same? What What are you observing in Clarksdale right now? I'm, I'm definitely feeling that there has been change. Um, I think that, you know, when you come to our downtown, you know, uh, 10 years ago, we did not have, you know, the Travelers Hotel and 10 years ago or around 10 years ago, I think the, the new Roxy Theater, which was the African-American theater um, off of its Aquina, um, someone that um, Robin Colonis bought that and has really um, revived that and has made it and made it and been very intentional about making sure it stays within the community. Um, so you're seeing that. You're seeing festivals grow. I think um, when I was growing up, it was only the Sunflower, was it River Blues Festival in August, and now we have Juke Joint and Deep Blues Festival, and we have all these festivals that's really bringing people in, um, you know, to Clarksdale. And so there's there's always this draw um, for whatever reason to Clarksdale. I know, I mean, I know why I love it, but then when you have people to come in and be like, it's just something, it's mm -hmm. something. So you're seeing all of that happen. You're seeing um, John Rusky, who is now right across the street from us with Quapaw and just really allowing the community to explore the Sunflower River, a river that growing up, I just crossed over and I was like, ooh, that's really muddy. <laughs> 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 and the Mississippi River. So there's so many things that's happening, um, you know, in the in the last 10 years. And I think that's it's going to be so many things, you know, to come. I think one thing we're excited about, we were able to, uh, we were donated um, three buildings downtown. So we're excited to expand and welcome community into that space and just more opportunities around art and workforce development in a, in a very, very different way. So a lot of exciting things. Yeah, it's it's great to hear that um, you know downtown and any smaller town is is starting to grow and be revitalized a little bit, especially 
after recently learning that, you know, we've lost population in the past year. Mm -hmm. And so it's just more important than ever that um, those of us that choose to stay just really dig in and try to help out with that. So that's exciting to hear. Um, Callie, what have you observed uh, of changes or, you know, anything in the last 10 or so years? You know, I, I definitely agree with Leonette about, um, you know, seeing um, excitement and seeing things uh, moving and happening. Um, but, you know, honestly, for me, I think that the more impactful thing that I've seen is actually just the relationships that have been built. Uh, for me personally, with the, the students that um, I worked with starting 10 years ago and just continuing to see them grow, be it adults now and have families and have great jobs and all of that. Um, and just, I think that those real relationships are the thing that really knits the, the community together and um, just builds that really strong foundation of, of unity and um, growth. Absolutely. And relationships can be built anywhere. So that's, that's awesome. That's um, good advice for any listeners that are thinking about how to engage with their communities. So, well, thank you both so much for being here. Um, listeners, please check out Grio Arts. They're on Instagram, Facebook, website, etc. And we just appreciate you tuning in to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB. This is Sarah Story, the Executive Director of the Mississippi Arts Commission. You are listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. To have access to all Arts Hour interviews, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen to the show on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org.